You are listening to Been There, Done That. We present some of the smartest people connected to the business of coffee. People who've succeeded in the tough grind of hospitality by staying ahead of the rest. So join us as we explore the secrets to their success and help you accelerate your business. This show is brought to you by The Coffee Commune, where the coffee community comes to collaborate. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Phil DeBella, and I'm the founder and managing director of The Coffee Commune, and I would love to introduce the Queensland Small Business Commissioner, Dominic Lamb, to the show. Dominic, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, and we're using you to kick off this wonderful podcast, which is all about ensuring that small business and medium business across the hospitality industry is informed and up to date, and um, hopefully we're helping them accelerate their potential. So I thought the great way to start the show series is to have, obviously, the Queensland Small Business Commissioner on the show to give us a bit of a landscape of what is happening in the industry and and some tools and stuff that exists that some people might not know about. But uh, firstly, congratulations on your appointment. Uh, I was very excited when I heard uh, Dominic Lamb was going to be in charge of this role because obviously we've known each other for a long time and worked across different industries and in different roles that you've had. And and I tell you, I'm one of your biggest fans, as you know. So congratulations on the appointment. Oh, thank you so much. That's very kind. Now, it's been, what, six months, but it feels like not even? Not even. It's about four months. Four I months, think. and it feels probably like six years because I tell you, I've been following the journey and have you been busy or what, especially a mum of two, a wife, geez, I tell you what, superwoman. But uh, you've been travelling Queensland. Tell us, as a small business commissioner, give us a bit of an overview of the current landscape for small business in Queensland, in particularly the hospitality industry. So we We've been travelling across Queensland, so everywhere, everywhere out into the outback, kind of far west, north, you name it, we've sort of been there and we're continuing to do that. And I guess what we're seeing across the state is the same issues being raised, varying degrees of pain, depending on the location and what kind of industry makeup that particular town might have. So the top three things that get raised with us at the moment are skill shortages, mm-hmm. housing. So if I can get them, where do I put them? Yeah. And then the last one, of course, is cost of living. But that's very broad and it looks at everything from kind of the cost of freight, supply chain, electricity, insurance, crime. It could also be cost of labour, superannuation, payroll tax, all costs going up at the same time. So for certainly restaurants and hospitality, cafes, we're hearing that their supply is just so much more expensive than it used to be. And that means their margins are shrinking. So it's getting harder and harder to just kind of stay healthy business and to manage their cash flow. Yeah. And isn't it funny? It doesn't matter whether it's Southeast Queensland, Brisbane or, or North Queensland, everyone's facing the same issues. And we've done a whole heap of body of work, obviously, through the um, Coffee Commune. And what we found three things to narrow it right down after 10 months of research, it's the people problem and that's both retention and attraction. And you've obviously mm. already spoken that and we'll unpack that a bit. This is the first time in 48 years of living that I've seen costs go up all at the same time. And you hit on that as well, that it's at the same time. Nobody and no industry is immune. It's everything everywhere has gone up at the same time. And then the third thing is standing out from a crowd. It's the flooded mm. market, the flooded industry. And of course, there are a lot of businesses closing, especially in hospitality. But there was also such an influx of businesses in the last 10 years that came onto the market. So standing out from a crowd was really difficult. And that's what we found. And obviously, you've alluded to two of those three. But let's unpack that a little bit more as a small business commissioner, because of course, 
you're an expert in this area because your former role was CEO of National Retail mm-hmm. Association. So you know retail well, you know the fast-moving consumer goods, you know retailing, you know hospitality because of your role. So very well qualified is Dominic who sits in front of me to be able to talk about hospitality in general. So let's unpack the people. You talked about it before, the people problem. If you do find them, you've got to house them. But What's the commonalities that you're finding in the people problem across Queensland? I think the the biggest question I get asked is, where have they gone? Mm. Where are they? Why can't I find them? Why don't they want to work? How do I find them? And then there is the other question about if you go and you engage with some of the programs that are out there, whether it's, you know, kind of long-term unemployed or, or whatever it is, what's raised is that they're the same people sort of being put through the same courses, which causes small businesses great concern because I think... Obviously, the focus is on retention and we know that where you lose a staff member, it costs you about 33% of the annual wage to replace them each time. And so they want to keep them. So they're looking at sort of their employee value proposition and what that looks like. But in many cases, the quality of candidate they're getting- is not coming through. It's not coming through, but it also means that these people are often coming with a whole raft of sort of baggage that small business owners just aren't equipped to look after. So, you know, whether it's mental health, whether it's- needing lots and lots of flexibility in an environment where really your customer service facing. So, you know, working from home is is out. What does that look like and how do you do that? So they're, mm. they're looking to sort of create more family structures, bonding with those employees. They're looking at alternative places to find them, whether it's backpackers or whether it's finding migrant workers or, or whatever it is just to get people into their store so that yeah. it can alleviate some of what that, you know, kind of business owner is dealing with. Yeah. And it, there's 10 podcasts in what you just said, because everything's a major yeah. problem. Then you've got the housing problem. And people don't realise that the flow on effect then becomes the customer service. And then the customer gets upset because they're not getting the service, yet the employee's getting paid record highs of what wages mm-hmm. are. So, but let's bring it back to the employee. Then we've got to navigate government. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how vocal I am about this, how government just doesn't liaise with industry. And we'll unpack your role in a minute because that gives me some hope uh, of your appointment. But government comes in and starts making changes without consultation, such as the recent one of international students are now back to Mm 48-hour fortnights. Now, hospitality is already short of staff and so is the building game and other industries. But the, the government helicopters in and just makes legislation without consultation. What can we do about that? And also, how does your role fit in that? Because there'd be listeners listening to this saying, well, you've got the small, Queensland Small Business Commissioner in front of you. And let's unpack the two parts there. One, your role and what you can do on that. And then where do you see it heading? So the Queensland Small Business Commissioner was set up to enhance the operating environment for small business across Queensland and then to minimise the cost and time associated with dispute. So in effect, we have a team, half of which works on advocacy, which is some of what you're talking about, in that we agitate within government, whether it's federal, state or council, to make changes that's going to make it easier for business to do whatever they do best, whether it's selling their services or their wares or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Part of that is done by submissions. Sometimes it's done as a collective with the other commissioners around the country or with the Federal Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman, Bruce Bilson. But we work sort of together to get better outcomes. Now, I guess the difficulty with that is there's a lot of noise in that market. And obviously, there are industry organisations, there are businesses that are experiencing these things. Most of the time, what we find is businesses are so busy working on or in In their business, business, they don't get the chance to have a say, they don't get a voice. They may or may not be part of a member organisation because obviously cost is something that everyone's very sensitive about at the moment. But if that voice doesn't get to some of those government areas, Mm. especially if those governments aren't primed to consult, then you simply don't get heard. And then, of course, look, the other part of our business is to try and keep small businesses out of the courts as best as possible. 
And we do that via alternate dispute resolution. So if you've got a small debt claim or an issue with a supplier or an issue with a landlord, then we can take you through a process which keeps you out of QCAT. And we've got about an 80% success rate in terms of settling. So you're that conduit. It's important for the listeners to understand that Queensland Small Business Commission, a role is actually the conduit between that end user, you know, the business and the government. And there is a level of agitation there and and not agitating for the sake of agitating and not being rebellious Mm. for the sake of being rebellious, as I say that get to see and uncover and hear the problems and then take them back and hopefully have an impact on them, which is so important. And again, that's why I'm such a big advocate of having you in that role, because you understand the industry, you understand small business and government really needs that go-to because from a personal perspective, they haven't been on the front foot for a long time listening to businesses. I just think that if you don't get out there and you don't go and sit in someone's business and talk to them about what they are personally experiencing. There is no way to know. And especially in those regional communities, because it's just not the same as the Southeast. And if you don't go there, you don't completely get it. And I think it's just essential, which is what we're trying to do. Yeah, And you don't know what you don't know. So I mean, Mm. kudos for that. So tell us what sort of resources are available from your office for businesses that are sitting there going, you know, I am doing it tough. and, And yep, everything that Dominic's talking about is affecting me right now. Give us some point of call and we'll have this put up obviously on the key takeaways and on the podcast as well. So, you know, obviously the website, but what else? What's available? There's lots and lots of materials. There's so much there. In fact, I would say call and ask the question, but some of the top things that are available at the moment, there are free financial counsellors and free wellness coaches. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about that is you don't have to be in distress to use a financial counsellor, but what they do do is work with you around cash flow, how to get improvements in your business. If you find yourself in a difficult position, they can negotiate with the tax department, they can negotiate with the landlord. And they also, both of these kind of wellness coaches and financial counsellors have $5,000 that they can give you towards whatever it is that's going to sort of alleviate some of that pressure. So Mm. it might be to a psychologist, it could be to fix a part on a coffee machine, they'll pay the service provider to do it so that you can keep trading. So there's that, which is one of our our big things. There's also 330 free mentors, so mentors for growth that you can access. And those mentors are across all different types of industry and sector. So you can come and say, I want to talk to someone about marketing. I want to talk to someone about HR. Mm -hmm. They'll find them for you and they'll give you, I think it's an hour and a half for free. We get really great reviews about that. There's a whole raft of grants. Now, the Business Basics grants are for $5,000 and the last round has just been announced in terms of who was allocated that money, but there is a new round coming. There's also a whole raft of growth grants as well. So you can get up to $75,000 to invest in your business, to put something in place to sort of help you grow. There's also $5,000 for HR resources. So if you need assistance with, you know, what does that look like in your business? How do I put policies in pra- place? Especially at the moment to stay compliant. All those things, right? The compliance, it's there. There's also two free micro-credentialing courses, one in business planning and then one in workforce planning, which you can do through the University of Sunshine Coast. Mm. They aren't face-to-face. You can do them online. People across Queensland do them. In fact, I'm about to do the first graduation this week um, with their business planning course. And also you can pick it up and drop off. So if you start one, you don't have to complete that one and then come back again and pick up the subjects that you've done. There is so much on offer and that's without looking at what's on offer through councils. And so many councils will have kind of smaller business grants in their locations to help you do a whole raft of things. We're out at um, Somerset recently and one of the caravan parks had gotten a grant to put into glamping tents. Brisbane City Council do some small grants for women in business, for instance, are about $5,000. There's lots of different categories. And then there's also federal government. I think the thing to note when looking at supports is that there are 
tools like Grant Guru that you can use and government support makes up about 30% of what's out there. So go and have a look at what else is out there in terms of private enterprise, what other people are offering. And that's without all of the skills and training money that's sitting there. Queensland's just put, I think it's $70 million into skills. There's a whole heap of free TAFE courses available. Lots and lots of different things. It just depends on what you need. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? And for the listener that's going, well, I didn't catch all that, call the um, Queensland Small Business Commission office and or jump on the website. What is the website details? Yeah, so it's qsbc.qld.gov.au. And look, you can come through to us or you come through to Business Queensland. Either way, there are two hotlines available and they're answered by people who will connect you to where you need to go. Alternatively, like I said, don't forget the councils because there is quite a lot of support coming out. Yeah, some councils done some great stuff. Like you're talking about the Morton Bay Council. So, mm. to talk us through some of the stuff that's standing out that you're seeing out there that other parties are actually doing. Yeah, so look, we operate what's called the Small Business Friendly Charter, and that's where councils join on with the Queensland Small Business Commissioner, the chambers in their location, and then the state government. And they all agree to help that region become more small business friendly and they commit to a whole raft of things. We have 45 of the 77 councils on board at the moment. It takes up about probably 80% of the small businesses across Queensland are in those particular locations. And there's about 473,000 small businesses in Queensland. So it's a big area. Mm -hmm. Moreton Bay is absolutely a standout. There's no way around it. So they have everything from sort of awards programs to networking events. They've created an AI tool on their website called Ask Morty. So you can actually put in your details, ask it a whole raft of questions. It'll tell you about the data specific to your cafe, your location in Moreton Bay, all of those kinds of things. They also do a whole raft of sort of, as I said, supports grants. They're looking at kind of setting up their CBD and strip shop locations so that that foot traffic is there. So they're doing lots of sort of placemaking, creation of lots of different types of festivals to get people in there. We see that sort of on a large scale from Morton Bay. But then you go to somewhere like Winton that's now surveyed all their small businesses in town. They've also created a roadmap to commit to a whole raft of things. And yeah. in sometimes that's just we're going to provide you with a newsletter that shows you all the things that council's doing. They're also running workshops and training around things like grant writing or psychosocial hazards, which, you know, we know has just come out. We also see lots of different councils kind of focused on different things. So Sunshine Coast, for instance, has a great program partnered with the Thompson Institute around helping manage mental health of business owners. And they're running free courses to help you identify when people around you or businesses around you are struggling. And they work quite well in with their chambers to make sure that sort of that message is getting out across wherever location mm. they are. But mm. it, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of hubs, lot there. for instance. There's yeah. co-working space. You name it, they've sort of. Yeah. Got and it. I have to say, look, I find councils a lot more responsive. And obviously, which I'm going to ask you the question in a minute. But is where is the Queensland government next step? Because I see I'm a big fan of the councils, Morton Bay Council, Brisbane City Council. You can really see the results of progressive thinking and collaboration with businesses. And I have to say, it's been lacking in Queensland government for a while. Tell me, if we fast forward. To the end of your tenure, what does success look like for Dominic Lamb and in the role of commissioner? That is such an interesting question. You asked me this a few months ago and look, it may have tweaked from there. Look, one of our biggest problems for the Queensland Small Business Commissioner and probably Queensland government is awareness creation. So when I started and said, what have you got on offer for small business? They gave me 63 double-sided A3 pages and went, here you go, right? It's a lot of noise, right? It's a lot of noise, but also a lot of really good stuff that people find hard to access. And so for me, it's about creating more awareness. So ideally, I want to see our core volumes increase and I want 
want to see the number of people that we service increase. So I think we're sitting close to the 7,000 mark in probably 18 months off the back of COVID. But I'd like to see more and I'd also like to see a variation in what we're helping them with, which we're starting to see now. So our rates around dispute resolution, business to business disputes have actually doubled recently. It probably doesn't surprise you. And our core volumes for March were up by about 60%. So we want to see that sort of continue. I'd also like to see a whole heap of reform happen in various different legislation in Queensland because there's some unusual or different approaches to legislation here, especially around things like liquor licensing laws, even building and construction has its own challenges. And then even if you look at things like the Retail Leases Act, all of those are about to come up for review. So we would hope that, you know, we'll make submissions, you know, sort of alongside industry to get a better outcome for small business so that that they can operate. And that's a big one, isn't it? The reform and, and making sure, and I love music to my ears, it's all about collaboration. Yeah, you know, that's and, and it. taking that to government, say, hey, when you do reform, mm. can you please listen to the needs and requirements and, and you know, the barometer and the pulse yeah. of what's going on in the industry? And then the third thing is to expand that small business friendly program. So at the moment, it is just councils, but I think that there is greater appetite for other large sort of government owned organisations to be part of that movement, because I think that you know, when we're dealing with or we talk about red tape, most small businesses can't tell you what it is, but they know it drives, you, drives yeah. them nuts, right? And I think a lot of the time it is those government-run organisations that could do a lot, whether it's in that reg tech space, whether it's in just making a path simpler and like getting rid of some of the small steps that you have to make when they don't really make any difference, mm-hmm. all of those things. So. Yeah, and there's a lot, you know, and, and, and I like the way you, you say that there is a lot of red tape, but when you ask people, well, what exactly is it that you want to get off? Is it the red tape or is it the legislation that comes out such as your 24 hours per week or is it the new psycho? What's the technical term? Psychosocial regulation. That's it. Psychosocial psychosocial regulation laws. And is it the flexible workplace stuff that they're bringing in? Mm. I mean, where does it stop? Where does it end? And I've been in business for 22 years and I'm still learning and will always learn. And I'm quite seasoned. So all I can say is, and I say this a lot when I'm running workshops and speaking to people, is a lot of people have started business in the last 10 years because people don't realize 50% of businesses don't mark the five-year mark. Mm. So you'll find that about 75% of businesses out there start in the last 10 years. They have never experienced tough times before. Mm. You know, they didn't go through the GFC in 2008, 2010. A lot of the businesses that are out there have started in the last 10 years, within the 10 years, Mm. and they haven't, especially in hospitality. So there's a lot of stuff out there that's going on that people aren't equipped with. And that's what we wanted to bring to light is obviously, one, what the role of Queensland Mm. small business. So, well, firstly, what the landscape of small business is, which we touched on, what's available out there, which you've explained really well. And the third part is this. People have just got to get on the bike and pedal, right? Mm. Because the alternative is to do nothing and sink, or you've got to get on that bike and pedal, then raises that people are worn out. People have got a lot of mental health issues and, and anxiety creeping in. And as you said, there's products available through your office for that as well. But I think the worst thing that somebody can do is do nothing. Mm. And, and I think that's a big part of your advocacy out there is that rather than them coming to you, which is what a lot of other people in your sort of roles do, you're actually going out to them. Because one of the problems we identified is that people are running out of time. They don't have the time, they're worn out and all the rest of it. So, of course, it might be a silly question, but everyone can expect to see a lot more of Dominic Lamb out and about with small business still, right? That's going to oh, be a absolutely. major part. absolutely. Yeah. And that is the major part. I mean, we're a small team, right? So, we've got our Your business- resources are limited <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, right. So, our, our business liaison officers are on the phone, like with, you know, the primary sort of obligation for us to make sure that you can get through to someone and, and have those conversations whenever it is. So then it leads our advocacy team to sort of get out and get out and go out there. 
We've just stood up for the first time a principal engagement officer who has another person under her as well, plus myself, and then there are other people in that team that will go out and do that outreach. But I think the thing is, the Queensland government's just done a small business impact study I think for the first time since 2017, and they've also started surveying. So they are at the moment working on what kind of a small business strategy is going to look like. We know that from talking to sort of the Griffith Tax Clinic that if a business doesn't have MyOB or Zero in their business, they're 80% more likely to be insolvent. And that the literacy of a small business owner, whilst higher in terms of financial literacy than most other parts of sort of the world, only sits at 40%. Mm -hmm. So we know, as you say, when things get really hard, small business owners lean out. And all I can say is you've got to get the basics right. You've really got to make sure that you understand sort of what tax you've got to pay. What does that look like? If you can't pay it, all I can say is make sure that you go and enter into those payment plans. Make sure if you've got staff, you're paying super because at the the pointy end, we will not be able to restructure you before insolvency. We will not be able to buy you more time. You've got to do those basic things. Otherwise, life gets really, really hard. It's not just about, you know, how many cups of coffee do I need to sell to pay my rent? There are other costs about that. And I just think understanding how do you price? Like, obviously, come and see the coffee commune, have those discussions about what should I be pricing a cup of coffee? What does that look like? Where do I make more money on my margins? Is it in food? Understand where you can charge more and where you can't or where you can make savings that people aren't going to notice because it's those little things consistent little things that are is likely to make sure that you survive, right? Yeah. And, and it, it's getting harder. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. And you've said it well. And the key takeaway out of that for the listeners is the first thing you need to make sure in order is your superannuation. Mm. ATO will, will go after that yeah. even before they go after the tax. So it's, it's your superannuation to unpack what Dominic was saying. Then getting into a payment plan. And I have to say that I haven't experienced this, but I know a lot of people that have They've gone into tax payment instalments and they're quite reasonable. Mm. The government's quite reasonable. If you're proactive, that's Mm. the key. If you're reactive and wait for the government to knock on your door, Mm. uh, they're not going to be as favourable. But anyone that's told me stories that they've been proactive with their tax debt and instalments, the government's been very good. And again, this is not about government bashing. This is about calling a spade a spade. Mm. And where they're good, they're good. And when they're not good, we'll certainly tell them as well. And you can do it on their website, right? Like it's a really simple process. And I just think make sure that you engage early. You yeah, know, I know, I know it's key. painful. No one wants to do their tax. No one gets into business to do that. But just make sure you engage early. Yeah. It, well, it works out better in the end. And, and as I say, there's only two things that are sure, dying and paying taxes. Mm. So you know, no <laughs> one's going to be immune to either of them. That's right. um, and the other one, as you said, is obviously the pricing of products. Um, mm. That's something that obviously put your CEO hat on, the old CEO hat of National Retail mm. Association. People get it so wrong. And I mean, I love analogies being a strategist, marketer, brander. And I talk about well, there's a reason why the coals at New Farm is more expensive than the coals out mm-hmm. at Gundawindi, mm-hmm. um, and that's because of rent um, mm-hmm. and the cost of paying their staff. It might be higher in a, in a city versus out in a town. Mm-hmm. There's reasons why. So you wouldn't price a cup of coffee in a CBD Brisbane the same as what you'd price a cup of coffee out in the residential areas. But mm-hmm. what we are finding is that you actually get more money per cup of coffee out in the residential areas in the suburbs than mm-hmm. what you do in the CBD 
because of competition. But mm. yet it comes back to the point that you've made is price your products and your services right. And you see that a lot, obviously, going through mm. Queensland of people not pricing stuff. Is there anything that stands out? Look, I think that you're right about the saturation of market, particularly in cafes. Like there are a lot of them and people wake up in the middle of the night and obviously decide to go and open them. And then, <laughs> crazy you know, people. Crazy people. Or we have zoning laws that say you've got to put restaurants or cafes at the bottom of residential buildings, which means you see them pop up everywhere. I think that the big thing with being a small business is you've got to look at <laughs> what products you are selling and what increases people will bear. You cannot increase your prices all the time. You can probably do it once a year. The one thing you can control as a small business is that you have to provide the best quality to set yourself up from the standard from everybody else. But also customer service, right? Like people are willing to pay if they have a wonderful experience, regardless of the price of the product. And it's for you to manage that. You just can't afford to get it wrong. But because you don't have as many staff, you can quality control much better. And I think that's what sort of makes the difference. And that's kind of how you set yourself apart. Yeah, you you may raise good points because customer service is it's out there, it's not prevalent. And I say to people, well, the time to shine is when everyone's not performing well. Mm. If everyone's performing well, it's hard to stand out. But there's so many places that have been focused and you can understand why, right? They're mm. mentally exhausted, but the service has dropped. So that gives the, op- the next door neighbour the opportunity mm. to pick it up. And I use McDonald's as an example. They used to be the epitome of great service and great training. Good luck trying to get a please or a thank you out of anyone that serves you at McDonald's anymore because mm. um, that's what's happened, that fatigue. And, and I think the standards is the problem, and I just want to touch on this, is that people's standards have dropped. And I'd love your opinion on this, but I say to my team, we better not be leveling down. I expect you guys to getting those non-performers to level up. Mm. I think I see a lot of business out there that are happy to just level down. What, what would be your take on that landscape? It's really interesting because in my experience at the moment, customer service in the regions is far better than it is in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And whether that's because people are sort of so focused on whatever they need to be or wherever they need to be or whatever they need to do, as opposed to just taking the time to connect with people, it's hard to know. But time and time again, as soon as you sort of get out into the regions, whether it's Redlands or whether it's Sunshine Coast or if you just keep going, the service is much better because people take the time. I think there's something about that connection and that sort of cure of, of loneliness when you are in customer service. Like, I think it matters. I think it makes a difference, especially in your local communities. And I see it as flow and effects And, you know, obviously this works a little bit easier when you're in a region, but it's the business owner that knows what's happening at the local school, that's involved with council, that does the networking events, that gets out there and knows that the restaurant down the road's having a hard time or the hairdresser's doing really well or whatever it is. It's the person that's really engaged that sort of has their finger on the pulse. And I think what I'd say to sort of small cafe owners is, You can use your customers as data, right? Like they will often tell you what's happening out there and that will give you guidance on what you should be doing in your own business. If you don't take the time to have the conversations, whether it's with your staff or with the people that's coming in and out of your business, then you're missing out, right? And that's the same in Brisbane, even where there is a lot more competition, even where you might have, you know, kind of more foot traffic coming in on certain days, take the time, you knowing someone's name, makes a huge difference as opposed to just no eye contact, getting their name wrong and, you know, shoving a coffee in their face kind of thing. Transaction, right? We talk about emotional engagement. What are you doing to emotionally engage with the audience? You've said it well. And so let's bring us back to the regions and why they're doing well. To me, it's something that we've all lost and have to regain, which is sense of community, Mm -hmm. sense of supporting each other. 
I hear some great stories, which I want to ask if you can share some of the stories that come to mind for you. But one of the great stories I know is a friend of mine owns a wonderful place at Graceville, Superior Fruit. Mm -hmm. And prior to COVID, he's always getting tapped on the shoulder to hand out to the little Johnny's run Mm -hmm. you know, fun run and the Spellathon and the local soccer club and the football club. And he's always giving, giving, giving. Yet the giving's not always coming back because people are happy to go and, you Mm -hmm. know, to Woolworths and Coles for convenience. Through COVID, what he found is people remembered community and local and support your local and that the person that is obviously supporting the local school and the local kids is the local business owner and we should be supporting them, which is great. And to me, one of the wins out of COVID Mm. was to see people's habits go back to, and I call it conscious buying because I did the same thing, Mm. started going back to the local butcher, the local fruit and veg shop, the local pharmacy to support local business. Tell us about some standouts from your perspective of what's working out there in terms of community and local support and all the rest of it. Yeah, look, I think it's similar stories in terms of we know small business owners are the ones that give and they're, Mm. you know, consistently sort of hit up to give, I think. And typically they are the ones that sort of band together. I think the best example when I think about sort of community and what that looks like is Mackay. And funnily enough, if you'd visited Mackay maybe two years ago, their CBD was very quiet. They were actively hosting sort of placemaking seminars with council, with all the business owners, with the chamber. Normally when that happens, you go back and nothing's happened. Mm. It's like it's just a big talk fest and that's sort of it. And I don't like a talk fest. No one likes a talk fest. But Mm. these guys, it's not what they did. These guys really did actively try and engage with their landlords that, you know, had vacant lots. They really sort of got council on board and council started investing in terms of the, you know, what the walking track looked like, you know, putting on more entertainment and things like that in those locations to get some of the foot traffic back up Mm. for those businesses. And then the businesses banded together. And so they came together as a chamber to basically say, this is not going to happen on our watch. There's absolutely no way this is going to fail. And now they're getting kind of 150 to 200 people to their events, whether it's about education, whether it's just sort of getting them out and about talking to each other, that's huge. But then I also think about a small business that was a cafe called Coddle & Co. I don't know if you've ever come across Coddle & Co, but that was sort of Southeast Queensland, had a bit of a difficult time. But during COVID, absolutely struggled because there was lots of different changes, but would always take the time to sit down and talk to their customers. And Julie tells this story where she could see that there was something wrong with a particular customer. She took the time to sit down and sort of have a conversation and just sort of sit there for 15 minutes, you know, went about her work, kept going, knew something was wrong, didn't really think about it. The woman turned up two weeks later with a giant bunch of flowers and said, you saved my life that day. Like I was ready to sort of give up. And the difference was that connection. And I just think you know, that's what small business does, right? Like that's the extreme, but it's the day-to-day interaction that I think, you know, for some of our older generation, they don't get unless, you know, they go to their local news agent or they go to the coffee shop Mm -hmm. or they have the piece of cake or whatever it is because it's that connection. And I think, you know, small businesses are underestimated and undervalued greatly. And I'm glad you said that because I champion that a hundred times that a small business is undervalued and underappreciated. Mm. And so I say that sometimes you're going to be the pigeon, sometimes you're going to be the statue, but small business has been the, the bloody statue for a while now. And and again, why I love the fact that you're in the role that you're in is because you, I see how hard you work in getting out there and being that advocacy and trying to be part of the change you want to see and, and with the reforms mm. and, and getting people around the table to listen, which leads me to this. Is there anything you can share that you're working on that you think is going to help the industry that government's starting to listen to in terms of 
both state and federal, because, you know, sometimes we sit there and keep bashing our state government, but when the federal government has been far from impressive since they've come in. Everything that uh, the Prime Minister said he was going to do, he hasn't done. And I make a point of not mentioning which side of government and all the rest of it, because it's, a, it's irrelevant. It's not the side of government, it's the person. Just like it is, you know, it doesn't matter about the authenticity of somebody running a company, whether Italian, Chinese, Japanese, Australian, Aboriginal, whatever they are, it's the calibre of person. And, and we have to go back to that with choosing our political leaders. So mm. and I just want to shove that in of why I don't mention which side of politics and the rest of it. But our Prime Minister came in as a CEO, wouldn't tell us what they're going to do in the role and has been very lacklustre and has not delivered on anything that said they was going to do. And in sometimes has actually gone the opposite. Again, don't want you to put you in an awkward position, but what's, is there things that are working on right now that is going to give us some sort of relief or put a smile on our face from a, a state and federal level? So I think if we start at the federal level, there has been some good things that have come out of the budget for small business, new things. So at the moment, if you look at the statistics around cybercrime and small business, Queensland has the highest attack on small business at 39%. Crazy. And the minimum amount they lose is about $54,000 per attack. And it can be anything from, you know, like a fake invoice to malware on a phone. You know, a lot of times small businesses just don't even think that, you know, maybe their FOSS machine could be compromised or whatever it could be, right? But we know that the attacks are there. To the point even landlords are coming to us and saying, what are you doing about it? So the federal government has just committed $23.6 million to cyber wardens to train small business about what to look for, you know, how to prevent it basically, especially with an Olympics coming because we yeah. know that the targeting will be much yeah, higher. So that is a really good thing. We've also seen a whole raft of sort of anti-competitive behaviour with large business and small business of late. The ACCC have now just set up a specific small business hotline around that. You can actually go and report anti-competitive behaviour, you know, from those large chains and try and get a better outcome, which is really good. Um, and then, of course, there has been a whole raft of investment around things like electrifying a business. And so there are some set-offs there. Nothing that probably shoots the light out in sense of, you know, your, your baseline costs, yeah. but they are some benefits. When you look at the state government at the moment, they are working through that small business strategy. There's a budget that is about, we're imminently about to come out. I'm not really sure what's in that at this point in time, but I know that this small business minister here, Di Farmer, is very, very committed to getting tangible outcomes for small business. So I think you're likely to see an investment around the reduction of red tape as being one of those things. I think that, you know, there will definitely be a focus around, you know, how do you alleviate some of that cost of living pressure? The big problem is with some of the grants is that you can give out money, no, but it doesn't, it does, it's not the answer, no. right? I think that there will be more tangible things about teaching people how to fish, you yeah. know, teaching them how to do it yeah. better. What that looks like yet, yeah, we're mm. not sure because it's not in stone, but there's lots of definitely very positive intention there and we're sort of feeding into that. So we get consulted about all those things. We provide them with feedback about what we hear, what we see. From us, one of the biggest problems is that small businesses don't necessarily understand a lease. Yeah. What an option is, you know, where does my bond go? How do I get my bond back? How long does it take? We're creating a whole raft of materials around that, which will be ready. We're also having them translated into the top four languages and into dynamic translations because we don't want anyone left behind and we know we're missing whole groups across Queensland. And then we, we've just commenced, we've just gone out to tender to partner with a university around a behavioural study in small business from entry sort of to exit because we want to understand what makes them tick so that we can actually give them better services and do better advocacy on their behalf, which will be really interesting and telling, I would say. 
And then, of course, we are also creating some data reports, which means that everybody can access it, you know, and then you'll be able to see what's sort of happening. There's some good stuff there, but... In this current environment, some very large levers need to be pulled. They do. That are outside of your control. That are outside of our control. So, yeah, I don't yeah. want people sitting there thinking, oh, you've got the Queensland Small Business Commissioner, she's part of government. Well, no, she's a conduit. She's in between. Because there's some out. things there. I yeah. can't be sitting down to you and saying, well, government needs to stop their waste because you don't have yeah. any contact, you don't have any pull on that. You've explained very well and articulated about what you do, especially the advocacy mm. piece. And my biggest advice to listeners is that you've got to be part of the changes. As Gandhi says, you've got to be part of the change you want to see. If you just sit back and keep being reactive, you need to contact the office of the Queensland mm. Small Business Commissioner. You need to be part of coming to see you speak or a workshops mm. that you give so that you can gather that feedback. Because again, you take that and it helps you with obviously passing it on to all levels of government, local, state and federal. So you're that conduit and, and listeners need to understand that that is the role of Dominic Lamb is mm. to be that conduit, to be out and about listening, getting a barometer and feel of what's happening and then taking that back to play the best part you can, mm. knowing that you're not the decision maker, but you've got to play that part that you can to make change and reform. And we do create sort of intel files, right? So the moment we have a spike in complaints around blue cards, for instance, and that means that's something that we then go and action advocacy about. Same as the new laws around food safety that are coming yeah, through. That's another submission that the office is currently working on. So each time we have a spike in something, so recently we've had a whole raft of complaints from tenants about racist behaviour of landlords in one particular location. That is also something that we then go and pursue via various different avenues. Mm. And whether that's a human rights commission or whether or not that's the landlord, we do intervene. So you're right. We just need to hear from you because it it makes a difference. Yeah. So those of you, and again, let's tell the listeners, how can they to hear from you guys. Can you share a phone number and um, a oh, hotline? I'd love to be able to share a phone no, number, but I can't think of it right now. Oh, that's right. But get on the <laughs> website. We're on the spot, but I'll, I'll give it to you and you can put it up with that's the podcast. That's right. I'm sure Gilberto right? will find it. Yeah, he'll find it, it and put it in there. Yeah. But yes, you can definitely give us a call or you can find us with QSBC or Queensland Small Business Commissioner. Yeah, fantastic. Dom, thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure. And the speed you're moving, we'll have you back on the show later in the year because you don't hang around. You do get things done. And if you have a look at what you've done already, it's great. But it is a big ship to turn. It is a big ship to manoeuvre. And your resources are limited just like anybody else's. But the key takeaway for me is mindset, guys. The key takeaway is that you've got to be part of that change. There are resources there. You need to reach out and grab it. You've got to do the work. Dr. Joe Dispenza, which is one of my heroes that I talk about, says you've got to do the work. You can provide the river, but if the person doesn't jump in the river and swim, well, there's no point of the river. So get out there. There's a whole heap of stuff to help. We've touched on the the landscape and we'll be exploring it over the episodes that get released. A lot of what Dominic was talking about and ways that the coffee commune can help you in those areas. Next up, we'll have Kelly Maniatis, who's an organizational psychologist. We're going to have her on the show talking about Mindset Matters, and she'll be covering and exploring a lot of the stuff that, Dominic, that you've raised today. And then after that, we've got Alan Bonsall, who'll be talking about standing out from a crowd. And you touched on that as well. Um, How do you stand out? in a crowd, especially in the CBD. The regionals are doing it quite well. So that's what's coming. So you've opened up the show beautifully. You've set a beautiful landscape for us and it'll flow nicely down to Kelly, who'll be about Mindset Matters and then on to Alan Bonsall, the episode after that about standing out from the crowd. Until next time, Dom, thank you. Travel safe. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Don't forget to look after yourself and your family as well. Yes. Uh, we don't need you burning out. Congratulations on what you've done so far. And until next time, this has been Phil DeBella with Dominic Lamb. I'm the founder and managing director of The Coffee Commune, where we're all about accelerating your potential. Tomorrow better than today. 
That's a wrap for today. Keep listening for more episodes of Been There and Done That. The Coffee Commune is here to help accelerate your potential. We want you to be better tomorrow than today. Until next time, you've been listening Phil DeBella. I'm the founder and managing director of The Coffee Commune, a place where the coffee community comes to collaborate. <laughs>